Hello there. You are listening to Irman Ki Baat episode 2 part 2. With us today we have Professor Kishan. On part 2 with him we are going to talk about the farm bills and later quiz him on his favorite subject. Stay tuned. Kishan sir what I'm about to ask you is something that a lot of people have requested. So uh, why don't you ex- uh, why don't you explain uh, the farm amendments to us uh, like we are 5 year olds. to understand uh, the farm bills or whatever uh, came of it you need to understand how things used to work before that all right so before that it, it's a com- it's common knowledge how uh, farming happens and uh, how agricultural produce happens and so on and so forth farmers simply sow the seeds harvest the produce every year uh, in the respective cropping seasons kharif and rabi uh, and and rabi Uh, so there are various types of crops uh, cereals uh, pulses uh, oil seeds cotton jute and so on and so forth right so that's that's how farming happens now earlier the farmers simply sold their produce to the traders near them right so that's how things used to happen uh, and because that happened the traders exploited them so the traders always in the power equation between the traders and the farmers the traders always had traders are nothing but the middlemen they always had the power so they exploited them uh, as the farmers lacked the necessary infrastructure uh, or even the wherewithal to store the crop right and wait for better prices so if if the farmers had uh, access to cold storage had access to good storage capacities the farmers can wait uh, till the time they find a good price in the market and there was all there were also pressure from money lenders to pay back that particular loan right uh, so because of all these things uh, a lot of exploitation happened the the traders simply brought the prices at non remunerative prices at very low prices um, and simply extracted profits made profits because of this particular system that existed now to preclude this particular situation the government uh, introduced something known as agriculture produce market regulation apmr act back in 1938 all right so right. now this what this did was the following so uh, this led to formation of certain markets within the confines of the states and respective regions right and this is something we know as APMCs agriculture produce market committee and these are also called mandis now in these markets the traders set up stalls the farmers bring their produce and sell them to those who offer the best prices right and it is basically a form of auction that happens right and in here the market mechanism is obviously supposed to kick in and price formation happens now if some of this particular produce is left unsold then the government intervenes and buys it up uh, at msp which is minimum support price and uh, currently the msp exists for 22 crops in india now according to the clauses of this particular act apmr act uh, the farmers are mandated to sell their produce to the designated apmcs only so if you live in say bhatanda you can only sell your produce to the apmc in bhatanda all right uh, 
and the traders who buy this particular produce from farmers they are supposed to be licensed by the governments to set up stalls so they need to procure licenses to set up stalls in this mandi now since the physical markets the mandis are provided by the government these traders are supposed to to, to pay the government a certain cess a certain tax in form of cesses now the advantage of this system is that the farmers are shielded from income shocks right if uh, if uh, because their their produce is going to get sold at a certain uh, a quantity of it is going to be sold at a certain price in the apmcs or it is expected to be sold uh, in the apmcs so they are shielded from the vagaries of going door to door to retailers to the end customers and so on and so forth that system would have had a lot of volatility around it so they are they are saved because now the liability is with the more powerful traders or middlemen and the onus is on them to sell it to retailers and uh, uh, the end customers now but there is a huge disadvantage of this this particular system the traders can simply collude and not pay a remunerative price so they can all sign an agreement between them and exploit the farmers as the middlemen of the yoad used to do right so they can simply collude and this again brings back the exploitation because of this collusion that happens between uh, uh, the various uh, traders the farmers are again left exploited right and uh, in addition to all of it the farmers also suffer from costs of bringing their produce all the way from their farms to the apmcs right so they and that is why uh, you see that whenever it's a case where uh, the farm prices began begin suffering uh, for example it happened in, in case of potatoes and sugarcane uh, in maharashtra at that time a lot of people used to dump their produce because they were not getting remunerative prices and it took uh, more money for them to bring it to the market than to sell it so for them it was more optimal to simply dump it uh, in in landfills and so on and so forth right so now to address this problem address these disadvantages of the earlier act apmc model act was introduced in the year 2003 all right after 1938 apmc model act was introduced in the year 2003 now some modifications were made to address these inefficiencies but these inefficiencies stayed intact all right so even now people suffered uh, the farmers suffered they were not getting remunerative prices uh they were not getting market clearing prices for their produce so the problems still remain uh their fortunes were still being decided in the hands of traders and middlemen now to address the weakness of even the modified system of 2003 the government passed by agricultural reforms as we know them of 2020 now there are three uh three basic acts to it uh the first act is something known as farmers produced trade and commerce act all right now under this the farmer can look beyond apmcs and i personally see this as something which is very positive because now because the, the farmer if you remember earlier the farmer was just mandated to sell his or her produce to the apmcs correct but now the farmers can simply look beyond apmcs anywhere in the country to sell his or her produce and and additionally there is also no requirement for the buyer of this particular produce to procure any license from the government so this essentially makes the market more open 
there are more number of buyers in the market so the agriculture the agriculturists the farmers get better prices prices are better formed because now we are tending to a perfect competition structure market structure so the prices are better realized the prices are better formed and moreover the farmers need not take the transport their produce from uh, their uh, farms to apmcs right if a buyer requires a produce a buyer can come to the farmers all right so that's something that this farmers produce trade and commerce act does it opens up the market for the farmers now there is a, the, the second part of the act is known as the farmers agreement on price assurances and farm services act now what does this do this act is basically about contract farming all right now if there is a conglomerate if if there is a huge uh, retailer uh, a, 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 a potential buyer say something like reliance fresh reliance fresh want a bouquet of vegetables to be sold in its retail stores yeah. right so hence reliance simply goes to the farmers tells the farmers okay let's get into a contract you ought to give me this level of produce all right so i'll give you the best i'll give you the seeds for it i'll give you so you all we only need to farm uh, for the produce you all only need to give your land uh, and i'll tell you the best practice methods of sowing these seeds uh, and this will essentially give me the uh, a produce of a certain qu a quality and quantity which i would then sell in my in in, in my retail stores right so contract was is supposed to be signed now no one can renege on this particular contract now after this contract ha has been signed reliance then cannot uh, can uh, cannot is not liable to come to the farmer and farmer and say that you did not deliver on the quality of the crop because the practice all these practices have been uh, recommended by reliance themselves so they have to stand by this particular contract have they have to buy the produce and if the farmers get some better price from some other person the farmers cannot renege on this particular contract the contract is sacrosanct here all right so now if there is any any problem in this contract or if any any of these sides feel cheated they can simply go to uh, they can simply knock the laws the, uh, the the doors of the law all right so this second is uh, the second act is basically about the contract farming on the now, yeah on that note i'd also like to add uh, about how they've uh, you know pro provided for special uh, uh, courts special courts and special uh, grievance redressal mechanisms uh, do you do you think it makes more sense to do that and uh, not have the other uh, formal structure of law that you already have in place do you do you think special courts or dedicated Uh, courts for matters pertaining to these acts makes sense yeah so th that's the first uh, so that's the first stage of uh, enforcing this particular contract so uh, they don't directly go to the courts they are first uh, they first go to the arbitrator so there is a ar arbitrator who will take a call in on on this particular uh, matter and uh, give the sentence as to who should uh, fall in line all right so they don't directly go to the courts there are mechanisms which uh, keep all these tassels out of the ambit of courts uh, out of the ambit of courts only when things go beyond uh, a certain point beyond a certain threshold point only then they go to courts there are these mechanisms uh, layered structure uh, whereby uh, the grievances are addressed 
all right so that that fall that lies under the various clauses of the act so that's about the second act contract farming now the first act was about opening up the opening up of the markets uh, increasing the scope of the markets that it currently is the second is about uh, the contract farming the third is the essential commodities amendment act now this act is only come uh, this act only comes into picture in during extraordinary circumstances say if there is a war like situation uh, if there is a pandemic like situation as we have now uh, if there is a drought uh, so only in those situation this particular uh, law, uh, this particular act is come uh, into picture uh, during these situations the prices are regulated by the government so no one take uh, no one can take advantage of the situation right so the prices are regulated prices are going to stay in line uh, by uh, as ma mandated by the government uh, and things can happen fairly that's so these three acts have these ideas of addressing the market of expanding the market for farmers of uh, uh, contract farming of the buyer coming to the seller instead of the seller going to the buyer and also about preserving a certain stock during extraordinary situations and keeping the prices honest all right so this is about the entire uh, intent behind passing these particular these particular acts now if these acts are read in the spirit of what they are written this is what is conveyed to me this is what my takeaways my takeaways are but the problem essentially arises because the government essentially passed this using stealth mechanism right uh, the farmers currently they accuse government of not having consulted them so a lot of farm protests that are happening in the capital currently is because there is fear all right the farmers are fearing that they are going to lose power in in this entire through these acts they are not feeling empowered on the other hand they are feeling that they would lose control all right so first of all we don't even know if what is the representation of the farmers in those protests so are these uh, consisting more of the middlemen uh, are these more uh, rich farmers or even uh, or uh, is the poor farmer also represented we don't know who are the ones who are protesting in uh, in delhi what are their vested interests all right so see what what would these uh, acts essentially do and or rather what do people think these acts will do so people think that these acts are going to make apmcs irrelevant right because uh, since the farmer is not mandated to sell his or her produce in the apmcs uh, so apmcs would eventually lose power apmcs those mandis would have uh no meaning in the coming years so that's one so the middlemen are threatened here the middlemen the traders are feel threatened here so that's one now there is also a fear that if the government can can stealthily bring about these reforms tomorrow Or they will also do. abolish msp fair enough right and that is something that is of a greater importance to the farmers msps preserving msp now we as students of economics should understand that msps were not the most efficient things to start with msp is nothing but a price floor whenever you do not let the prices form 
properly whenever there is uh, not a proper formation of prices market could go under right so whenever you bring certain of these price ceilings and floors msp being a price floor there are rigidities introduced into the system because of which there are dead weight losses all right so it was never the most perfect system to start with but it had its merits no doubt it had its merits one of the one of the additional demerits is it acts as a signal, signaling mechanism msp is not there for all the bunch of crops it is there for only 22 crops so when you have these uh, for only 22 crops the farmers get uh, have perverse perverse incentives to only produce those crops and most of these crops are water guzzlers all right it has uh, it has basically depleted our water uh, the groundwater uh, resources right and that's and in uh, a whole lot of it a whole lot of uh, blame is to be taken by this msp system that exists all right that notwithstanding the farmers now fear that because these resources so these uh, acts or these reforms were introduced with stealth tomorrow msp would also be taken away from them right and the other fear is about the contract the second part of the the, the bill now the farmers feel that a contract may be reneged by those with higher power and those who are powerless the farmers will be rendered bereft of any resources to fight in the court of law so the buyers are mainly huge corporations who have the right. muscle and the wherewithal to essentially fight if uh, if there is some uh, misappropriation in uh, uh, the contract they are the ones with muscle to fight in the courts the farmers won't have the muscle to uh, essentially take uh, the big corporations on in the courts so the farmer farmers feel that the second part of the act which talks about contract uh, contract farming is also going to leave them powerless so a lot of what is happening in delhi is because of this fear because it is a sort of fear psychosis created in their minds by by misinformation there is a lot of misinformation in the system there is a lot of fear in the system all right although the government is holding meetings with them they are not uh, they are not really convinced they want these acts to be gone and additionally they want msp to be made an act uh, to to be made a law so right now msp is not a law it lies within the ambit so it, it basically happens uh, through cer certain recommendations all right now the farmers feel that it should be made a rule it should be made a law so as to preserve their interests so the farmers are essentially saying kuch karna hai to msp ko kanun bana okay aur in rules ko hatao ye jo farm bills aap leke aaye ho ye jo farm reforms aap lekar lekar aaye ho usko hatao so that's the basic refrain that's the basic uh, wants of the farmers who are there uh, protesting in the capital wow uh, that was really a very uh, detailed insight into the entire farm amendments that has gotten most of us are scratching our heads for a while now so thank you uh, for explaining it to us in such a nice uh, fashion this bring this brings me to my uh, next and the last leg of the discussion with you which is quizzing you on economics i have about seven questions and uh, without further ado uh, here we go question number 1 whose first book whose first book 
was titled Indian Currency and Finance that was published in the year 1913. He was a civil servant who was posted to India. Who is this person? Wild guess? Sure. Just one uh, British economist uh, on the top of your head and you are most likely to get it right. Uh, it's definitely not uh, John Maynard Keynes. It is the answer. John Maynard Keynes is the answer that you are looking for. Okay. So uh, plus 10 to you on that one. As we go on to the next one, something uh, uh, closer home. The IIMA Old Block Canteen is referred to with a nine-lettered acronym. What is it? And what does it stand for? Is it there is no such thing as a free lunch? It's absolutely right. They, they call it Tanstafel or Tanstafel. Uh, there is no such a thing as a free lunch. Question number three to you. Here we go. If Mary and Peary were the first ones to register the speed in 1911, who are the latest ones who also happen to be the sixth inductees into this prestigious list? exclusive list what exclusive list are we talking about and who Abhijit Banerjee and Esther Duflo couples to have won the Nobel is absolutely correct uh, the first couple to have completed this feat was in 1911 and then the latest ones Abhijit Banerjee and Esther Duflo 10 points to you again on that one the sixth couple to have won the Nobel Prize uh, that was question number three so far so good Question number four, here we go. Kotak Mahindra Bank has a zero balance offering, which is branded uh, or rather endorsed by, who is this guy? <laughs> I'll go again. Question number four. Kotak Mahindra Bank has a zero balance offering called 811. What is the significance of the number 811? It's to bring out some unpleasant memories or pleasant ones, depending on how you look at it. What is 811? I mean, we all know uh, unpleasant memories are uh, associated. Uh, yeah, unpleasant memories are associated with 911. But 811, uh, if, if I had to ha hazard a guess, I would say the number of branches Kotak Mahindra has. Uh, so, it's a very uh, quizzy answer, but uh, not quite there. I'm going to give you the answer on this one. Uh, the unpleasant memories for uh, most of us were the days of demonetization. 8th of November is when uh, demonetization was brought into action. And this is, uh, I don't even want to call it a tribute, but this is... Yeah, right. So it's, it's, it's 8th of November. Uh, yeah, 8th of November. Uh, 8th of November. So yeah, 8th of yes. Correct. So 8 to 1 1 is the offering. That was question number 4 for you. Next up is question number 5. Madagascar and Mauritania are the only two countries in the world to fit into this exclusive list. India would also have been a part of this list if it, not, if it were not for the 1950 reform that was brought in by the Reserve Bank of India. What exclusive list are these two countries a part of? But if you could think about what 1950 RBI reform are we talking about? The only two countries in the world could probably give you a hint. 
on that? Mm, uh, is it to not have their own currency and adopt the currency of some other uh, country or their rules, uh, their rulers? I quite deemed up the moment you said currency, but uh, then you derail completely. Or uh, do you want to yeah. take another uh, shot of this? Uh, I could uh, do with a hint if, if there is one available. Definitely. Uh, so your hint is naya uh, paisa, if at all it is. A change of currency. Go on. I'll like I'll wait for a better answer from you. Uh, but a change of currency has also happened in the case of Brazil, uh, Indian times. Correct. Which is why so I want to should not, more. That should not be it. That should not be it. Uh, rupee or rupaya is adopted by more number of nations than just uh, India. Have coins in the system and not notes in the system? I think uh, we're venturing uh, too far away from the correct answer. So I'm just going to bring you back and tell you the correct answer. Uh, this is the decimalization of the Indian rupee. So uh, both these nations are the only currencies that do not follow uh, a superior uh, currency value is equal to 100 smaller unit uh, like we do. And we did not. We had the ANA system that later became the PESA system. Oh, and to familiarize right. people with the PESA system, uh, because colloquially ANA is still called PESAs and so on, we had the conversion. But yes. to bring in 100, they called pesas naya pesas. So all those coins had naya pesa inscribed on them. Right. That's how right. we. I could not have guessed that. that. But that's a phenomenal question. Thank you so much. That's definitely uh, a phenomenal question. Yeah. Next up is something that I really want you to get. Uh, no pressure though. But here we go. Next up, whose filmography or whose IMDb, IMDb filmography list am I reading out to you? Money for nothing inside the Federal Reserve. Second is testing Milton Friedman. And third one is overdraft. And in all these uh, listings, this person has played themselves. Is, is it Raghuram Rajan? It's absolutely correct. 10 points to you on that one. It's Raghuram Rajan. The obvious one that I blanked out or did not read it out for you was inside job. It went on to the Oscars and made a lot of road. Uh, phenomenal quizzing i think i have one more question left and right. that will uh, be the end of this last up in 2012 the reserve bank of india was considering a change of face on the indian currency note for which they had shortlisted two people rabindranath tagore and maulana azad for what peculiar reason did these two people make it to the shortlist from a central bank's perspective what uh, commonality would you associate with these two people Rabindranath Tagore has won a Nobel which obviously Malana Abul Kalam Azad hasn't I'm done with my uh, Nobel set of questions for the day <laughs> so clear. Not did these people uh, simply I mean is it because they operated out of uh, West Bengal I know I'll, I'll let that slide uh, pass you on that right. this is because uh, both these people had a beard because you have uh, you sport a beard so I thought it would be a nice uh, last yeah. uh, add tip to your beard so 
Uh, okay. it, it, it did occur to me that it might probably have to do something to do with their facial appearance, but I thought that was that would have been too uh, Mild. weird and uh, yeah. So okay, go on, please. Uh, I'm so interested to know about that. Both of these people yeah. sported a beard, and uh, from a Reserve Bank's perspective, if at all they were to have a beard on the currency notes, it would make it really difficult for anybody to forge the bank notes. Because Amazing. of the mild intricacies of a beard, and yeah, for yeah. similar reasons, they had Mother Teresa, uh, who was up for contention because of the number of wrinkles she has on her, on her face. Incredible question. That was oh, my favorite question of the day. Thank you so much. Uh, on that note, I would like to conclude this. Any parting words? I would only say that I really enjoyed this conversation and. Uh, I personally want to see you guys come back on the campus so that uh, we can touch base again in a more physical, uh, in in a physical environment rather than a virtual environment. And uh, I, I, uh, I, it's it's my earnest wish to see happy faces again, uh, because I'm I'm sure that uh, coming back to the campus would mean a lot of happiness, and I like to see happiness on the faces of people. That's something that I take a lot of pleasure in. Uh, so I hope uh, that you guys are back on campus and we have uh, more interactions and we can know each other uh, better and beyond uh, the classroom. Uh, yeah, so a human touch, uh, I would say. Yeah. And, and I hope uh, the, and the entire world is out of this crisis that we are currently in and uh, we, we emerge out of this stronger and happier. That's All right, that brings us to the end of a beautiful podcast episode with Professor Kishan. Uh, thanks, Kishan, sir, for being so kind and joining us. Uh, if you like the podcast, share it with your friends, leave us a comment or write to us. See you in the next episode.